The title of this morning's message is Reach the End of Yourself. Does anyone feel like you've reached the end of yourself? Mark chapter 14 and verse 10 is what we're going to. Let's begin by reading. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. Let's stop there. I wanted to go back to that verse because we need to understand that as we looked at Judas last week and we can, I think, um, relate to the other disciples and how it is that perhaps they were seeing Judas, little did they know that a little time would pass and they would find themselves turning their backs on him as well. We know how it continues, how it was that the Passover was prepared. They were sent into town, into Jerusalem, and Peter and John were told to go in and find this man and carrying a jar of water and, and follow him into his home and ask where to prepare for the Passover. For the teacher. Well, they did that. At the conclusion of last week's message, we talked about how it was that Judas was told by Jesus, what you must do, do quickly. The other disciples didn't understand what exactly Jesus was saying in that moment, other than thinking perhaps he was being sent off to conduct some business. Well, we pick up in verse 22, where it says, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Father, perhaps we have said the same thing and then realize that we have faltered. We certainly have denied you in some way. Lord, may we confess that to you. Agreeing, simply agreeing. That, Lord, we have fallen short yet once again. And at the same time, knowing that you are faithful. Because even in this moment, even in the institution of communion, of the Last Supper, pointing to Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, pointing to the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One who has been sent by you to shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, knowing that we would falter, 
Lord, still, you were unmoved. And Lord, you continued on with your perfect will. Lord, also demonstrating to us, oh, the immense love that you have for us. Knowing full well that they would fail and they would scatter, Lord, they would deny you. Still, you went to the cross to die for them and us today. Lord, may we be encouraged by the fact that you knowing full well what was before you continued on. And so, Lord, may we truly reach the end of ourselves as you were teaching the disciples at this point, Lord, that they are not to trust in their flesh, they are not to trust in logic even, Lord, because this was not logical to them. May we also learn to reach the end of ourselves and simply trust in you. So minister to us this morning, I ask, Lord, teach us. May we lean in and desire to listen and hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I want to take you back to take you back to September and October of 1988. Um, <clears throat> I had landed in Orlando, Florida, and I, I had never experienced heat and humidity ever, ever like I did on that day when I landed in Orlando, Florida. And I remember even feeling it within the airport, like a, a heaviness, right? I go outside with a group of people and remember seeing the, the roofs dripping with what I thought was rain. Geckos on the walls. It was very green. And asking, oh, wow, so the rain just stopped and someone said no. This is just what 100% humidity looks like <laughs> and hot. Well, that was uh, my, my first day of, of boot camp. And I remember going and, and learning much through boot camp, but I remember at some point, you know, I, I was so, like at the very beginning, like filled with fear and anxiety and worry and doubt, I was wondering, what in the world did I get myself into? You know, the first morning, you know, that day was not so bad. We went and got our haircuts, you know, and I asked for a little off the sides and, you know, to leave it a little long in the back. Um, that's a mullet. That's the, it's the 80s, right? Well, unfortunately, they just buzz it all off. It was gone. But that first day was not so bad. Not so bad, and we were provided with some things, um, you know, to, toiletries and um, some, you know, some shorts to sleep in and things like that. So we went to our bunks. We were assigned our bunks. And you know they were very inconsiderate. I, I, I don't remember what time it was, but I was, I was awakened by some metal trash cans being thrown down the middle of the barracks. Very inconsiderate. I thought, wow, is this how boot camp was going to be, right? Well, I don't remember my feet hitting the ground. I just remember that somehow my feet went into my sandals and I was on the line that we all had to stand at attention at. And um, then our company commanders or drill sergeants uh, came around and they were yelling at us. All, all kinds of just positive, wonderful, encouraging words. They were so uplifting, telling me and everyone else that they were now our mother and father. Don't be crying. Oh, it was, at first, it, it was, I, I have to admit, I was like, wow. Like, I knew it was going to be tough, but, but th this was... This was something else. Listen, it was at the point. Some weeks later, 
that a moment of clarity came to me. Remember being down in the push-up position forever, because that's what they would do. It's like, it's like, who could hold that position for as long as they expect us to hold it? There's, there's no human possible way to, to do that, right? And I remember looking over at my bunkmate, and he goes, this is a game. I thought, this is a game. This doesn't feel like a game. <laughs> it feels very real. I'm being tortured. But something clicked. Not that it was a game, because it was not a game. But what they were trying to do is break us from relying on our old, way of, old ways of thinking limitations and anything that was before us, trusting in all of that and breaking us to the point to where we would trust the United States Navy and their guidance, their leadership, their system, everything, right? I thought, okay, this requires surrender. It required me in that moment to completely yield myself trust and trust in them and from that moment on I can tell you that boot camp although difficult I understand today they, they give everyone like onesies and um, you know they, they they can't say certain things right those of you who have gone through the military you know they're very seem to be they've gotten soft right well, I can tell you, back in my day, you had to learn and, and just to, to yield and just to trust. The rest of my time in boot camp was totally different from that point on. I completely yielded to them. I, I submitted. I surrendered to them and believed that I could make it through and I would be just fine, just like thousands upon thousands of others have gone through. Well, this is what we need to do ourselves in a very real way with Jesus Christ. Submit and yield to the Lordship of the one that we call Savior. We often refer to him as Savior, but is he really our Lord? Do we really trust him with our whole lives? Are we really living sacrifices unto him? Reaching the end of ourselves, and when we do that, we realize, oh, this is the beginning of the abundant life, knowing that we can trust the Lord fully with everything. A.W. Tozer said this, quote, The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us, close quote. We pick up this morning in the middle of the Lord's Supper, just after Jesus had told Judas to go do what he must do and to do it quickly, knowing that G Judas was about to betray Jesus on that very evening. I remind you, Jesus was unmoved. Whatever the enemy was planning and what he was going to do was actually in fulfillment of the Father's will. Rest easy knowing that God is still in control, no matter what you're going through. God is still in control. What he has called us to do is simply stand fast, being faithful to him above all else. Because this evening marks the night when Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper. Can you imagine knowing what he is going to establishes communion on this evening. It's what we enjoy and we observe here at Refuge time and time again. It was on this evening that he again foretold of his crucifixion, the willing giving of his body, the willingness of him to shed his blood on our behalf to pay for our sins in full. 
and establish the new covenant, completing his victorious work over sin and death. But we will also see how all the disciples, not, not just one, not just two, not a few, but all of the disciples will be scattered when the shepherd is struck. You know, for us, as we, as we read this, as we study it and understand it, it should serve for us as, as being built up and trained. Like, may their hindsight be our foresight. Do you understand? Not our excuse or our justification for doing the same thing they did. Sometimes we look at this and we go, well, you know, if Peter did it and John and, you know, they didn't get it, you know, well, who am I to get it? Uh, because <laughs> the mystery has been revealed, that's why. Uh, because these are examples to help us to not do those things. Listen, Jesus told them that this would happen, fulfilling scripture. Verse 27 says, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know, at that point, perhaps it would have been good for them to ask a few questions. Like, what exactly does that mean? This will prove to be another lesson taught by Jesus Christ, our Lord, to deepen our faith in him and his word. Knowing it to be true. Learning that we can trust in him. Oh, way beyond trusting ourselves. In fact, learning not to trust ourselves. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Right? Oh, brothers and sisters, let us learn how to, how to live by faith. Not just sometimes, on occasions, or... No, every day. Jesus told his disciples what would happen before it happened. So that when it did happen, they would remember and know that they can trust in his word. When certain things begin to happen in our own lives, we should, we should go back and, Lord, help me through this. You told me that in this moment when I lacked wisdom, what was that verse? Oh, James 1.5. Oh, yeah. If we lack wisdom... To go to you and ask without doubting, and you will give to me without reproach, and you, you will give to me generously. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Yes, I do remember that. In the moment, do not rely on the flesh, but rely on the word. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, this is going to happen. So when it begins to happen, know that I have told you that you may be able to trust in my word. You see, they needed to learn to reach the end of themselves and trust in God's word above all. Perhaps that's a lesson that we need to learn ourselves. We need to reach the end, not extend ourselves. Reach the end of ourselves. I'm done. You know that moment that I told you that I, it was a, a moment of clarity for me in boot camp? Well, you know what? May it be a, a moment of clarity for you this morning as you realize... Your strength and your efforts fall grossly short of being adequate for the things that you are going through to not only see you through, but bring glory to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I know we, we say it. Many of you may have even memorize this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You go through it. But do we really walk it out? You see, God's standard is, is not our standard. He, he doesn't lower the bar. Have you realized that by now? He does not lower the bar. Oh, I understand. You're... you're 
not doing well. You're not strong. So I'm going to go ahead and lower the bar. No, he doesn't do that. His bar is still set high. And yet, he meets us where we're at. Not desiring that we would stay there, but that we would trust in him more and grow to the point where we trust him fully walking in his word by the spirit. Listen, Warren Wiersbe said, quote, never doubt in the darkness what God has told you in the light. What we see here would serve the disciples proving these lessons vital in their service unto the Lord later. As we know in the book of Acts, it'll serve them later. They'll remember these things when they're being persecuted, beaten, imprisoned, cross-examined, forbidden to speak in the name of the Lord, and even martyred for their faith. They stood. They were counted for. They knew that it was true. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, he, he is the Messiah. He is the one who went to the cross on my behalf, shed his blood for me for the forgiveness of my sins. He paid them in full. He was buried and three days later was resurrected from the grave. He is my king. He is my Lord. He is my savior. He is my all in all. And unto him I declare my allegiance, my loyalty, and my life. I will not be moved. That is what they expressed later as they realized God is faithful. What they heard in the light, they declared in the darkness. They did not doubt. They did not lean on their own understanding. But they acknowledged Jesus' words and they walked that straight path right into his glory. Oh, men and women, brothers and sisters, the time is now to rise up and be counted for. To take these words and apply them. May we declare in the light what we have, or in the darkness, what we have heard in the light. May we go forth with great clarity, discerning the times in which we're living, and act accordingly to the word of God. They had to be taught what faithfulness and a willing sacrifice look like. Perhaps again, that's what we need to learn this morning. Just what, it, what does it look like? Have you learned this? Have you really reached the end of yourself? Have you realized that trusting in yourself always proves to be empty? There's, no, there's nothing there. I hate to trust in myself. I hate when I do that. There's no peace in that. There's no hope in that. There's no purpose in that. But hope, purpose, peace, and joy are found at the end of personal trust avenue. When you choose to surrender to Jesus and trust in his salvation and his path. You must reach the end of yourself to know this. Just like the disciples learned this important lesson and trusted in the word of God. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, when your will is God's will, you will have your will. So let's continue. Let's see how the disciples were coming to the end of themselves and learning how to trust in the word of God. We have before us the Lord's Supper again in verse 22. It says, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Listen, you and I are very familiar with communion, right? We take it often here at Refuge. And 
we do it differently here. We have a bowl of juice and we have the crackers in another basket. And it requires for you to stand up, come, and take it. No one has given it to you. That moment where, you, you know, sometimes the basket is going by and the tray with the, the juice and the cracker, you feel compelled, like, oh, I, I need to take it, right? No. There's a reason why we do it the way we do. You, you see, you have to do business with the Lord. You're the one that has to get up out of your seat, come forward, grab the cracker, dip it into the juice, and then take it back to your seat. Pray. Because this isn't just a mere cracker and juice that you hold in your hand. It is representative of the very sacrifice of the Father as he sent his Son to shed his blood on your behalf on Calvary. We always pray that it would be a sobering moment, a realization that once again, that the Lord demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A reminder, it should humble us. It should cause us to be stirred up in our own hearts and desire even more so to live for him. On this evening, the Passover was not observed in the traditional way the Jews would observe it. There was always someone leading the Passover meal. And on this occasion, of course, it was Jesus. The person would say, this is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. I brought up a schedule that is normally followed, and we've had this here. This is the Messianic Passover Haggadah, which is the telling. That's what that means, the telling. And in this booklet, it explains how it is that the what would be observed on the Passover in a traditional Jewish way is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And you have the four questions, for instance, how different this night is from all other nights. All other nights we eat bread or matzah. On this night, we, why do we eat only matzah? On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we eat only bitter herbs? And it goes on. Because on all other nights, we eat bread with leaven, but on Passover, we eat only matzah, unleavened bread. As the children of Israel fled from Egypt, they did not have time for their dough to rise. Instead, the hot desert sun baked it flat. Even, but even more than that, the scriptures teach us that leaven symbolizes sin. We are to observe how the matzah is pierced. Zechariah 12.10 says, I will pour out on the house of David and on those living in Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and prayer, and they will look to me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. The horseradish has significance, the bitter herbs. Why it is, why it is that we recline and not partake of it standing and so on and so forth. It's an explanation of it. For Jesus on this night, as he observed Passover with his disciples, They were being told, go in your presence on this night. It has been fulfilled. I am the Messiah. I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood. It's shed for you. It was no longer the remembering of the Jews' suffering and deliverance from Egypt, but rather his suffering and our deliverance from sin and death by his shed blood on the cross, our Passover lamb. John the Baptist said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In that very moment when he was coming to the Jordan, the beginning of Jesus' 
ministry here on earth. And John the Baptist acknowledged him. He knew exactly who he was. You see, a sinful man cannot make a covenant between God and man. Only God can. And Jesus, being the Son of God, made the new covenant and sealed it with his own blood. A permanent covenant that cannot be broken. There will be a day when those who belong to Jesus by faith are gathered at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where he will again drink it new in the kingdom of God. According to Revelation chapter 19. Remember how it was that Jesus on this evening had told the disciples that there was a friend among them. That was about to betray him. Even on this night when he established the new covenant. He had told them, hey listen, one of you are about to betray me. He told them that they would soon find out that they would all betray him. Every single one of us, one of them, and us. They would need to learn the lesson of not trusting in themselves, but rather in Jesus, reaching the end of themselves, believing in Jesus and trusting in his word. And he goes on. Jesus foretells their denial and his mercy. Verse 26, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. They had now traveled from the upper room across the brook Kidron and into or onto the Mount of Olives, directly across from the temple. It was here that Jesus told them all that they would, that they would all fall away. And by the way, this is in fulfillment of Scripture according to Zechariah 13, 7. They had to have known that Scripture. And he told them, it's according to Scripture. This is what, what is going to happen. But even though this would be what they did, note how Jesus said that after his resurrection, he would go before them to Galilee. Hey, listen, after, after you deny me, after you all fall away. Note this. Please note this. I will meet you in Galilee after the resurrection. <laughs> the faithfulness of God, our Savior, our Lord, saying, you're going to fall. Hey, listen, but I'm still here. And when you realize what you've done, I'll meet you in Galilee. I'll see you there. Jesus, knowing they would scatter, was telling them that they were still his and he would meet them there. Jesus, by the way, again, I point out, he was unmoved, even by their betrayal. May that be a good lesson for us. Have you ever been betrayed? You ever been let down? I've asked you to take note. How have you responded? If we want to be more like Jesus, perhaps we would need to be more like Jesus. Being unmoved. I'm, I'm not moved. I simply want to honor and glorify the Lord, reflecting his character. Regardless of what comes my way, I, I want to be faithful. I, I want to be one that comes alongside Jesus was unmoved, and even their fear and betrayal would not lead to Jesus forsaking them. Oh, but you've done too much. That's not what God says. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's in the moment that we realize and we confess our sins, we repent of our sins. He's right there. What a love. It would have been good at this time for them to simply 
receive his word and be prepared for what was to come. But they just didn't get it, not in the moment. But they'll remember it. Peter chimed in and said, in true Peter fashion, right? Lord, even if they all deny you, I will not deny you. I will go to you unto death. Jesus told him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times, Peter. Without a shadow of a doubt is what he was saying. We said that we've been so confident in our faith so confident in our surrender, our yield to him, our trust in him, that we, we have said, without a shadow of a doubt, I will not forsake you even unto death. Have you been tested and proven or tested and found wanting? Because he was saying that emphatically. I will not deny you. Have you come to the end of yourself? Peter had to understand that he was still trusting in the flesh, you see, not the spirit. That will come, but the lesson must be learned, Peter, and all the rest of the disciples. In fact, let's see further evidence of the fact that the flesh is weak, even though the spirit is willing. And he goes on. Verse 32, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. They're still on the Mount of Olives. They go a little farther into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes with him as he leaves the disciples in one portion of the hill and takes Peter, James, and John onto and into the Garden of Gethsemane. Not exactly where Jesus was going to pray, but he told him, hey, right here, remain. Remain here and watch. Now, Gethsemane means the olive press. It's a place where they crushed olives for their oil. We need to know, we need to understand, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. He brings him to that place. And it says here that he was greatly distressed and he was troubled. It was here that he was filled with sorrow. He, was, he knew that it was this evening that he would be arrested and he would begin his path to Calvary. He would be on the road to Calvary. So he told his disciples, remain here and watch. And it was here that Jesus was filled with so much distress and trouble and sorrow in his heart that when he went and prayed... That he sweat drops of blood. Drops of blood. 
have you resisted temptation to that point? Because Jesus, at this point, it was, it, it was like the, the, the crescendo, right? It was at this point that if at any time he was asking, Father, if there's any other way, oh, I know what's before me. Oh, you're, you're going to pour upon me the sins of the world. Oh, Father, is there any other way? Drops of blood. Hebrews 12, 3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Encouragement. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Listen, the sin of the world is never going to be poured out upon you. Temptation? Well, you'll be faced with temptation. But be encouraged that you would not grow weary or faint-hearted. Oh, brother and sister, stand fast. Remain faithful to the Lord, come what may. We serve one. He is our Savior and He is our Lord. Remain and watch. You see, Jesus in that moment was resisting anything other than the will of the Father. He was at that moment, if there's any other way, please. Nevertheless, Father, may your will be done, not mine. And yet, even in Jesus' great distress and trouble, I'm sure Peter, James, and John, seeing Jesus' countenance and what he was going through, they noted that. Even in that moment, Peter emphatically denied that they would deny Jesus even unto death. But yet they couldn't stay awake. I will die for you, but I won't stay awake for you. It's like this declaration. We'll, we'll do all kinds of stuff for you. And then when the time of testing comes, it's like, what's going on? Was Jesus hearing? Oh, crickets. Why is that? Oh, because they're asleep. Again, our eyes are heavy. We're tired. Who isn't tired here? Just by a show of hands. Anyone not tired here? Okay. I'm in good company then. You know we can be joyful and filled with hope and continue to persevere. Why? Because we're we're filled with the Spirit and filled with the hope of Christ. And, and we're just joyful. We continue to persevere. Listen, we need to not only declare like all of the things that we want to do, but actually do them. At, at that moment, we should not be caught asleep. We should stand up and be counted for. Listen, this didn't surprise Jesus, though. But it was a moment that should have opened their eyes to understand that their flesh is indeed weak. You know, it should be that moment to where we realize, oh my goodness, I, I've been falling short time and time again. I have not pushed forward. Man, he's right. The flesh is weak. Man, the spirit is willing. I, I was so willing. But it's not to repeat it. It's so that we will not repeat it. Jesus told them that they were to watch and pray that they would not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They were caught and didn't have a word to say to Jesus. Notice the second time they're like, well, we have nothing to say. Good. At this point, perhaps you're finally getting it. You have, you have nothing to say back to Jesus. And after the third time, Jesus told them, that his hour of betrayal was upon them, the betrayer is near. Verse 43, the betrayal of Jesus and the scattering of the disciples. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. 
Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching you, teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Verse 51, and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. So Judas, as we read here, and we know the story, betrays Jesus with a kiss. Jesus is arrested. Peter tried to defend Jesus against the Roman guards. Cuts off Malchus's ear. We know that Jesus picks up the ear and heals him. Makes him whole. Addresses everyone. The whole guard. The priests. The scribes. The elders. All there. And he tells them, have you come out a... a, a, a Come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. You didn't. You, you saw me each and every day. Why didn't you do it then? He was asking them so that they would, they would note. One important thing. They didn't have the authority. They did not have the authority to arrest him, not yet. Not yet, it wasn't time. Now was the time, and so they were there to arrest him in accordance with the scriptures, and that's what he said, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. Oh, we can stand confident with the Lord on his word and know that he cannot be thwarted, his plans cannot be thwarted. Brothers and sisters, this is exciting. This is knowing we can, we can trust in his word. We can stand on his promises and be unmoved. Only we need to, again, reach the end of ourselves. What else happened according to scripture? Oh, yeah, they all fled. What happened, Peter, James, John, and the rest? <laughs> Didn't you all declare... Because they all said the same. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Well, most of their lives, but one, their lives would, would, will be required of them. And even then, John will be tortured. He'll be exiled to the island of Patmos. And he'll be persecuted. But what happened? Yes, scripture was fulfilled. They all fled. Some people believe that the young man who got away uh, when he was seized and he left his, his clothes there was actually Mark. We're not told. The point is that, is that they all fell away. They all scattered, being filled with fear. They had to learn that one or the other will lead you. But both cannot exist at the same time. Fear can be there just prior to faith engaging. Because either fear will lead your actions or faith will. Can't be both. Fear can be present in a moment, but when faith is applied or engaged, fear no, is no longer the leading agent. God's word is our faith in his word. At that very moment, it kicks in and that's it. Fear is not going to lead me. My faith in God's word is going to lead me. And I will act on my faith, not in accordance with my fear. That's why when we recite Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Okay? In and of itself, if it was just that, we would be left wanting, right? But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving. You see, as we go on, we realize, oh, as we place our trust in him and trust in his word, reaching the end of ourselves, he guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
We're his. No matter what, we're his. Peter's denial is still coming, but what they were learning would prove vital in the coming days after Jesus' resurrection, when they would testify of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and resurrection. When you learn to die to yourself, you will learn what it looks like to reach the end of yourself. And that is where your faith begins, where you begin to learn what it means to trust in Jesus, in his word, and not yourself. I take you back once again as we're drawing to a conclusion here this morning. It is now May of 1989. I had learned in boot camp to yield, surrender, but it really wasn't life-threatening. It didn't require my life. I wasn't going to die marching on the blacktop or doing push-ups. I wasn't going to. But now I found myself in dive school in Little Creek, Virginia. And I got to a point to where what I had learned previously, September, October, November of the previous year, I had to remember I was going through evolutions that if I didn't pay attention, if I didn't trust what I was being taught, if I didn't stand on that and yield even my entire life to those to whom my life was entrusted to, then I wasn't going to make it. And what would happen is I would quit. I would give up in that moment. I had to literally, and this is what I did, I literally surrendered at one point. I said, well, Lord, I didn't say Lord at that time. But I thought, if I die, I sure do hope that they're good at CPR. I sure do hope that they make every effort to revive me. If I were to find myself drowning. You see, I wanted to reach the end. I can tell you for me it was significant. It was something that the Lord uses even today as I look back and I think, Lord, oh, your ways are so good. Even though I was not yours at that point, oh, there's lessons to be learned. I wanted to reach graduation. We started out with about 40 guys and ended with 11 from the original class. And I remember standing at attention in my whites, not having the diver pin pinned just yet, but going through the ceremony, and I wanted more than anything to be pinned. I, that's what I worked for. I went through. I trusted. I believed. I worked hard. I gave myself entirely to whatever it was that they were putting me through. through. I, I learned. I, I gave myself to that. And in that moment, there's one instructor after another came and they pinned me. I didn't feel good because they take off the back of the pin and they, they dig it into your chest but it was an honor. 11 of us were standing. When the dust settled, 11 of us were standing. We did not quit. Last one was my proctor. I said, Montano, you were gonna quit. If you know my story, I, I was going to quit. You didn't let me. And he says, I'm glad you didn't. And he took that pen, and very gently, he took it, put it in a fresh spot, 
and gently push it in until it punctured my chest. He saluted me. Of course, I respected that and saluted him back. I tell you that story in closing because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to understand that our spirit is willing and we will make remarks and declarations of personal strength, but in reality, our flesh is weak. And we will always end up falling short thereof, not trusting, not completely yielding. We are called to stand and watch. We must learn how to remain vigilant, knowing that the flesh will always be tempted and we will be taken advantage of by the enemy if we are caught sleeping, unaware and unclear of the circumstances that surround us and what's at stake. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, Peter learned this valuable lesson. He's the one that was used to write those words that we just read. But rather trust in God's word. Again, I remind you of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Jesus did not get frustrated with his disciples. He just told them what was going to happen, period. But it was for them to benefit so that they would learn that they needed to reach the end of trusting and in themselves, in themselves and even human logic and rather trust in his word above all. God is gracious. And he will teach us lessons time and time again. He will meet us where we are in our lives but doesn't expect us to remain there. He expects us to grow, to learn to trust him and not in ourselves, knowing that his path leads to everlasting life and glory, knowing this by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we reach the end of ourselves, we realize that Jesus has been there waiting all along. And he is ready to receive you that moment of graduation when you realize I have not quit I have truly believed in you I kept my eyes fixed on you you were the one I wanted to please you're the one I truly trusted for my salvation you're the one I gave my all for, and it was worth everything. Everything. We need to trust in him for our salvation. And we need to trust in him for our lives today. Stand in the gap and be counted for. And if you don't know a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have that understanding of who he is, I pray that this morning would be the day of salvation for you. That you would surrender your life to him, repent of your sins, and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That takes part there in your seat. You need to go to the Lord personally, and as we close in prayer, I pray that you would do that. We'll come alongside you, and we'll encourage you in your walk with him. Father, we... We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you do not give up on us. Lord, that you encourage us. Lord, even when we fail you, you tell us, Lord, as you did to your disciples, oh, after my crucifixion and my burial and resurrection, I'll see you in Galilee. Oh, Lord, you, you've demonstrated your love toward us. Jesus, you died on the cross and paid for all of our sins. As we confess our sins and 
acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we can hear those words. I'll see you in glory. Those words are true. And one day, when we take our last breath here, we will indeed take our first breath in glory. We'll have arrived, Lord, having endured and persevered, standing fast in Christ and abiding in him, in knowing your glory for all eternity. So we thank you for your faithfulness, for your sacrifice, and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray.